Hello and welcome to Shattered Lives, the Irish Daily Star and Irish Mirror's crime podcast. I'm Paul Healy. I'm back after a long break and I'm glad to see that Michael O'Toole is still here and happy and ready and willing to do another podcast with me. Our podcast is produced by the wonderful Andre Skintian. And while I was away, uh, Owen Murphy, our news editor, stepped in and did a, a great job. I, I listened to the pods. Uh, he is quite a professional and has, has done me uh, to shame, really, because uh, he certainly knows what he's doing uh, when it comes to broadcasting. And um, I, I thought the episodes were really good and um, educational and actually educated uh, kept me a company when i was stuck in an airport uh, for six hours actually i don't know what i was doing losing my mind listening to shattered lives while on my holiday but i did and it was very very good so um uh, great job lads so mick how are you i'm uh, grand have you welcome missed, back have you missed me you're breaking up have you missed me you're breaking up <laughs> um, okay. no one was great no brilliant brilliant and plenty of things happened plenty of things happened while i was away i i actually now that i think about it, i actually want to just very briefly mention um the the, the death of jim Callie because that, i mean i i know you just mentioned it on the pod but i just want to uh pay tribute to him as you know he he was a phenomenal person uh everybody's friend the second you met him um you were his friend he invited you into your home no matter who you were had plenty of time for for everybody and fought tirelessly uh, for Rachel to get justice for his daughter. And he suffered a lot of tragedy in his life, uh, a great, great man. So just want to mention that. I know he passed away um, and there were plenty of tributes to him. Um, yeah, wonderful man. Yeah, very much so. And we, we did speak about him in one of the previous pods, but it is, that, that that's a lovely thing to say he was, uh, because you would have been, I would have known Mr. Callaly really since 2004, which obviously you, you you came into the job later on, so I think that's testament to the man that he didn't just go right. I'm only going to talk to journalists who I've known since the start. I think he would have spoken to anybody, and I think he was really to protect Rachel's story and to protect her legacy. And I, I think that is testament to the man. So we want to talk. We want to start today's pod talking about Kerry, a very very dramatic story, obviously, uh, and. Quite insane, really, when you break it down. But uh, at the moment, just where things currently are, I'll speak about that first. We, as of recording this podcast, there are two people currently still in custody. They're being questioned by Gardaí, um in connection with this shocking find: thirty-three million euro worth of crystal meth discovered in a container in, in a shipping container in in Cork Port last Friday. Um, I think we all took a step back when we heard crystal meth i don't think anybody was expecting there to be a seizure of crystal meth let alone on that kind of scale um and we'll we'll get into that i'm sure in a moment but just in relation to these two men they were in court yesterday um and how this process basically works is when guardi are detaining people under uh this act section 50 uh they need to regularly ask a a a judge, a district court judge, to extend the detention period if they want to continue to question suspects. And they have had to do that already, um, having these suspects detained up uh, past a certain hour on Sunday, and then they had them in court to detain them for a further 48 hours. So they've been in custody 
or uh, up until the court appearance yesterday, they had been in custody uh, for 118 hours being questioned. Now, during that time period, they uh, can take breaks and consult with their solicitor. So every time they take breaks, that the detention period is frozen. But one of them is a leading businessman. We can't name these individuals. There is a court order in terms of identifying them, but he is the, a, a, a businessman. And the other individual who is under arrest is a well-known criminal, known to Gardaí, um, and is the son of a former politician. So I think it's come as a shock to the people of Kerry and Cork, uh, this discovery of methamphetamine, but also that these two individuals are caught up, allegedly caught up in it, uh, particularly this businessman who is quite well-known. Um, and yeah, I mean, just where do we start on this, Mick? Because we know it's all linked to Maurice O'Shea Salazar, and to the Sinaloan cartel. Um, but I, I still think this caught everybody off guard on Friday. Yes, so last Friday, we got a, a small tip that one is, there's, there's been one fella, not the businessman, but the, the criminal you were referring to, we've known mm. for maybe a couple of weeks that this person had alleged links or links that were being investigated to Mex- Mexican Morris. They called him Mexican Morris. In, uh, it was Calorglin, wasn't it? Where he was, he was living. Yes. So I went down there last year with Mick O'Neill, and we got some some great stuff. And I that remember. was it was really the first. And I have to. Uh, our, our editor Neil Leslie uh, tweeted this, so not that I'm going to be sycophantic, but he's obviously always right. We did the the great headline El Chap of the Morning to you because it was we got the first picture of Morris, <laughs> your man Mexican Morris. He was called. It was just great to go down there because we were walking around, effectively. A, a working class housing estate that maybe I would have been brought up in. And I was like, oh yeah, your man Morris, ah, the Mexican, yeah. And suddenly this fella is up to his yin-yangs in the world's biggest and most dangerous cartel. And it's like, you know, it, it's it's even probably too surreal for Breaking Bad. This young fella who grew up here, who everybody knew, as I say, he went, he went to school and everything here. And suddenly he's implicated, not just as being a member, but helping to run this massive cartel that we only really read about in the movie. So that was quite surreal. So we did uh, get that and it was great at El Chap in the morning to you when we sort of highlighted him. But, uh, and it just goes to show you the nature of our job. And I always say this, Paul, sometimes we know what's going on. Sometimes, you know, 10% of what's going on. And obviously it's clear now that there has been a significant investigation by the Garda, Kerry Divisional Garda Drugs Unit down there. But, but, but I think maybe people in Doc B knew how big it was, but I, I just wonder how many people really knew how big this investigation and this operation down there was. Because, you know, because we heard about, the, I think if you remember, Paul, I, I was talking about it Friday, I heard that this fellow who's connected to Salazar had been arrested and that there'd been a drug seizure. So mm-hmm. I'll be honest, I was, and I think you probably were, I, I, I think I was expecting a couple hundred grand's worth of cocaine. That was sort of the vibes, I think, from the time. And then suddenly, yeah. oh, huge amount of, of drugs. 32, th- we thought it was 60 million at the start because you know, all the things mm-hmm. were And then 32.8 million and then it's crystal meth. And I was looking at my files. I remember there was a crystal meth factory found in Ireland in 2018. But I look at the Garda reports every year for drug seizures and crystal meth doesn't really... Fo- fixture isn't really a fixture here it's not really a thing it's cocaine ha- the biggest drug in Ireland I always say is cannabis and then followed by heroin and cocaine but it's always cannabis by a country mile so uh, and even crack cocaine is quite small and you know uh, what's that other drug uh, that's big in America at the minute it's it's really fentanyl fentanyl yeah because I was at a, a, a meeting uh, 
Angie Willis, the commissioner for Dublin, was talking about this and uh, Shane McCormick, who's the detective superintendent in the Garda National Drugs and Organised Crime Bureau, was speaking to Dublin City councillors and he said, we, don't, we haven't found fentanyl in, Ireland, fentanyl in Ireland in years, so it's not a thing. And I thought crystal meth, because of the, the small amount of seizures here, wasn't really a thing. So when you hear the 32.8 million of crystal meth has been seized here, you go, whoa. But obviously... The belief and suspicion is that this was dre- destined for the Australian market. That, in other words, mm-hmm. the Sinaloa cartel with Mexican uh, Morris had effectively been using Ireland as a staging post for delivering crystal meth and God knows what other drugs around the world. I mean, that is just incredible, isn't it? I mean, it, it, the Sinaloa cartel are using County Kerry, Lorcan uh, <laughs> County Kerry, uh, and elsewhere areas around Munster uh, as a as a base. Like as a as a they have a and now now it seems um, that that Morris O'Shea had a cell operating here mm-hmm. and that he has had people working with or working for him here and those individuals well the law is seems to be possibly catching up on them now but obviously there's been a sleeper cell for the Sinaloa cartel operating down in the south of this country, which is insane it when sound, you think about it. Yeah, it sounds like a Brendan Gleeson crime movie, something like The Guard, doesn't it? You don't know, I mean, I, I bet you there's some fella or some woman sitting in a room in Hollywood or LA somewhere going, this is going to be great, and he's typing away at the whole thing, I'm in the money. Mm. So I, I, you couldn't make it up. Maybe I'll make that my next book, I don't know. But anyway, look, it is, it's oh, completely I can, bizarre. I can see the Netflix documentary already. But just in terms of Morris O'Shea, I mean, the history of him is is fascinating. Uh, and I must admit, I, I mean, I, like I'm quite new to his story, mm. but I, I've been re- reading up a bit on it. And I mean, obviously you spent a bit of time down there and speaking to locals about him. Um, I think he is related tangentially to El Chapo uh, in relation to his mother. I think his mother is a sister of El Chapo, one of El Chapo's wives, I think is the connection. Yes, there's a distant uh, relationship there. And essentially what we know is uh, Morris's father was Irish from Kilorglin and his wife, or his mother, is obviously Mexican. And they were living abroad for quite some time and then they came back to Ireland. I think just from memory, I, I just remember speaking to people, I think he, he they came back to Ireland when Morris was about 12, 11 or 12, because he went to secondary school down there. And I remember speaking to one fella who was in school with him. And here's the hilarious thing, right? When he was in secondary school, he used to tell people that he was involved in a cartel and they thought it was just teenage bravado. You know what I mean? Mm. But it turns out, allegedly, that it was true. And he did sort of... uh, the, way, the, the, the the vernacular is he, he acted the bollocks a few times trying to act birdie big bollocks and it was soon you know you don't mess around with carry heads really do you so he soon softened his cough when he tried it on with a couple of lads but yeah I mean he just used to go around boasting that he was involved in a cartel so his father died I think his father died I think it was in a car accident and then he did he eventually left Ireland he um, if memory serves me right he went to live in Spain and that's where the investigation really started to focus on him and essentially in over the allegation is that he was running an offshoot of the uh, Sinaloa cartel which is based in Mexico he was running it he was trying to set up operations in Chile and it's the Chilean authorities that just to remind people they have eff- effectively started the prosecuting process against him so he is a suspect for setting up a cartel offshoot in Chile which is pretty serious but they have named him and everything over there so really he's effectively charged over there now he's not in the country oh he's a wanted man mm. I mean they don't know where he they don't know where he is I think they maybe suspect where he is but they haven't found him I mean who knows maybe he's 
still down in Calorgan somewhere, <laughs> for all they know. I doubt it at this stage, but... Uh, Can it just... Yeah. It is It is funny, but it's serious to the same. Does this... Mm. Are there implications for Irish state security in this? Particularly by the... If people are... And with, you know, guards have always said this. You know, like, look at the MV Matthew, for example... You know, uh, two point two tons of cocaine seized by the Army Ranger Wing of the the South Coast there last September. The belief would be that that was set for transit to Britain and Europe. Maybe some of it was for Ireland, but there always has been a belief that Ireland is effectively a transit hub for drugs mm. because we're the first country from a, the South America that you reach in Europe, and we know that, for example, the naval service can only muster one ship at the minute at a time for patrols, and. We are there. Even with my defence reporter hat on, there, there, if, if in the last month there has been an increase, the British media, and even the Taoiseach Leo Varadkar was grilled about Irish security over in Munich last week. So it's there's a, a a real. I think there's a head of steam building up about Irish security, and a key part of Irish security is drugs interdiction. And I just wonder, and I've always thought this, and a lot of defence people think this, internationally is Ireland seen as a soft touch for for Mm -hmm. defence, but also for the security aspect of drug drawing, in other words, interdiction of drugs. It obviously must be. I mean, you need only look at the quantity of crystal meth that's been seized. I mean, so clearly this cartel had enough confidence that they could hold their drugs here as a base before moving it on to ultimately Australia. And it may it begs the question: How long have they been doing this? How much has got through? Yeah, I mean, you know? do you, right? You know, let's think about this. Is it likely that this is the first shipment? I don't think so. No, definitely not. No. So. It's the it's the whole thing about you know usually depends who you talk to, Garda sources would say that they get about forty percent of all drugs coming in, customs officials sources would say it's about ten percent, but it's clearly in the minority. So most of the drugs that come through Ireland do not get intercepted by authorities, but how much of these drugs, we will never know. It's like you know Donald Rumsfeld and his known knowns and unknown unknowns and all that stuff, because they're not caught. We simply don't know how many drugs. Are being, in, are being shipped through Irish waters or through Irish ports for onward dissemination around mm. Europe. If that if Ireland gets a rep for being an easy touch for drugs, then I think we have a problem. Massively so. And I mean, we have to be slightly careful here. There are two individuals under arrest at the moment. And at the moment, they are, you know, only being questioned. There, there has been nobody charged. But by the looks of the way the investigation is going, and we know that they searched a commercial premises in the uh, greater Kerry area uh, we know that this businessman is being questioned um, there seems to be a suspicion that the drugs uh, th- that they were being based possibly within a commercial premises um, and and, and that, that, that this was operating as a front for this Sinaloan cartel I mean that is massively concerning that somebody who um, that, that that a business that is openly uh, well known and in the public domain uh, may possibly be being used as a base by by this cartel. Yes, and the other point is because I was thinking maybe you know it came into the port, it stayed in the port for a couple of days, and then it in the container, and then it was going to be moved on. But there is this suspicion that it was I don't know treated or worked on at this business premises. The other thing is. This business premise, we know where it is, we can't say, but it's a long way from Cork. You know what I mean? It's not next door. Yeah. It's a good distance. Yeah. It's, what would it be? Two hours maybe? 
Yeah. So, I mean, how many people then were involved? Yeah. You know, knowingly or unknowingly in the transport of crystal meth. I mean, it sounds like Breaking Bad, doesn't it? Yeah. It, it sounds It sounds like, uh, it makes me think of Gustavo Fring and the uh, Los Poyos Hermanos, uh, the, the, the chicken business and, and using it as a front and all of that. But there, anyway. There is one concerning issue. And I, I, I don't know where they were seized, but, but two firearms were seized as part of this investigation. Yes. Mm-hmm. The concerning issue that hasn't really been raised, okay, so the, if the cartel are here and they were used in Ireland, you know, as a logistics base, what's to stop the cartel getting involved here? Mm. What, in other words, having bodies on the streets? Now, I'm not going to say it's like Mexico, but if anybody has been looking at the Mexican drugs war, there have been tens of thousands of people killed there. I'm not, I'm not saying it's going to happen here. I'm just saying, just say the cartel decide to become active in Ireland that's worrying that's really worrying because they will bring things up another level now look I don't know I'm only it's, I'm only sort of worrying about this but you know what I mean just say they, they decide to get more active here then that's a serious problem yeah yeah, and I don't know, maybe there's a, is there a potential gap in the market with the Kinnahans out of the picture? Perhaps uh, certain groups are coming in and taking advantage of that. Now we're purely speculating. But, well, look, you know, it, you know I'll, I'll give you an example. It happened after Gilligan. When Gilligan was mm. done in 1986 and he was charged but later acquitted with the murder of Veronica Gearn, although he was convicted of drugs importation. You know, we had yeah. people like the Westies and, you know, various groups coming to the fore. So nature does abhor a vacuum and people do do move to fill that vacuum. So look, if it's it's money, if it's a place to make money, so there's two things. Ireland as a, a an aircraft carrier really for drugs or a logistics mm. hubs for drugs. What if they get involved here as well if they see the, the vacuum? So it's one to watch anyway. Mm-hmm. Well, it, it seems the Garda investigation is meticulous uh, and, and the judge uh, actually noted that yesterday and it seems to be going as quickly as it can so i mean by the time this podcast comes out we may have a development these two individuals can be detained up until i think about half 10 on friday and then they either need to be charged with an offense or released without charge so that's where we are currently and and just just one point on this um so people don't really realize the arrest is effectively the end of the investigation so in other words Mm -hmm. the guards have to have all their ducks in a row before they put they, they get the arrest because that is we're putting the allegations to you and this is why it's taken so long because I would anticipate there's they have a shared load of evidence including probably surveillance footage and most definitely CCTV and everything so that's why it takes so long because everything has to be put to the prisoners so yeah. and that's because it's, it's it, it you know and there have been some cases where the section 50 has gone the full week but it's more more usually three or four days that they're kept for so it looks unless something happens, it looks as if it is going to be the full seven days. Mm. And that's not overly common. And that is an indication to me that they have an awful lot of evidence to put to these people. Mm-hmm. And look, we're, we're not privy to all of that. But I mean, you could surmise that obviously when they learned of the existence of Maurice O'Shea Salazar and the investigation into him abroad, um, they obviously reached out to the authorities and have been working in tandem with them. And there has been a well-broadcast EncroChat hack um, where a lot of information about these individuals has come out and certain names have come up. And I understand that one of the names was actually connected back to an Irish person who I think is now one of the arrested individuals. 
they suspect one of the arrested individuals so is there a link then to the EncroChat hack that ultimately you know gave them the intelligence to then go and move and investigate and uh, monitor these people you make a very good point paul and and you know that this is always said that why aren't Garda using EncroChat? I think they are using EncroChat, and we've spoken about this before. I think they're just doing it in a slightly different way from Britain. And I think one of the reasons is our constitution and the the very good thing, in my opinion, that you know barristers and solicitors here fight ferociously for rights, and you know they question everything. And you know, so what I'm getting at basically, if the guards used EncroChat as evidence, some fantastic barrister like Brendan Gren could go into court and say, Judge, I want this evidence struck out. So I think the guards are playing a long game and they're using it as intelligence. Yeah, Not that they don't yeah. have to use it in courts, it's just, well, we have, they call it confidential information and they don't have to go into it. They can, you know, claim privilege in this special and stuff. So I think that's what they're doing. So for me, uh, you know, it, it's unthinkable that the guards do not have intelligence from EncroChat because every country in the world got data dump with EncroChat. They're just using it differently. Well, yeah, I mean, you don't have to go very far to, to, to look at the details of this EncroChat hack and actually see what I'm referring to and the code names that have come up. Um, it would be incredible if Gardaí have not used that to their advantage and, and for their intelligence. So I'm sure they have. And you know. look, look at all the seizures we've had. You know, I'm sure that this EncroChat has opened so many doors. Maybe the guards have just been a wee bit smarter because there, there are, mm. it's the thing called Operation Venetic in England by the National Crime Agency. And there have been an awful lot of legal challenges to that. So maybe they're a wee bit smarter over here. Perhaps. Um, I, I want to, shall we move topics? Yeah. We talk about Morris O'Shea all day, but um, and, and I'm sure we'll be talking about him again next week. Um, I just want to briefly mention uh, We Feel Prison. And uh, that is because I had a story um, yesterday uh, in relation to uh, TikTok videos that have been put up. So people know of the social media platform TikTok. If you don't, uh, don't download it. Don't do it to yourself. It's pretty awful. But uh, these videos have appeared on TikTok, uh, apparently showing a, a rather large stash of what appears to be drugs and uh, booze. Um alcohol smuggled into Wheatfield prison and quite brazen social media posts uh, that say land packs stash and fuck the screws and catches at Wheatfield and uh, as I say quite brazen not exactly trying to hide it in any way um, uh, sources have told me the videos appear to be legit they did it does appear to be a cell in uh, at least an Irish prison anyway but you know it claims to be Wheatfield prison um off the back of uh, speaking to the Irish Prison Service about this, I've discovered that there is an investigation into this and that the prison's operational support group um, is investigating that. So the operational support group is it basically carries out, uh, the, the, that is the, the independent, well, they, it's a part, a wing of the Irish Prison Service and they specifically go to investigate um, how, how contraband is being brought into the prison. So I understand that they're looking at those videos looking at the timing of them um i'm told you know look i mean those videos went up when i did the story they went up uh 24 hours beforehand um there is a suspicion uh, that possibly prisoners are not as stupid as we think they are although we have seen it in the past that they've put up videos whilst being in prison um but the suspicion possibly is that individuals are doing these videos they are then being released they served their time or whatever, and they then put the videos up after the fact, going, look at what we managed to get in. 
Um, but nonetheless, it's still serious. It shows that stuff is getting in and at a, a, a pretty high level uh, into Irish prisons. Um, we feel prison, I'm told, there is a particular concern about uh, that a huge uh, amount of drugs has been seized in Weefield Prison, discovered in Weefield Prison over the past two years. I believe last year, over a million euro worth of drugs was believed to have been thrown over the wall at Weefield Prison. So they do have a serious... Uh, issue there although the Irish prison service will tell you that they have implemented measures and a new drug strategy since November of last year uh, to tackle this uh, including new body scanners uh, for prison staff prisoners any visitors that go into prisons and now go through this new scanner system so they are cracking down on it they say and do you think this isn't an isolated case how many videos have we seen of people singing and everything Mm. behind bars so is it stupidity or are they being brazen? I, I well, this this is the thing. I I, I like I've, I've being told now, being advised that look, yes, it's more than likely that they're putting the videos up after they get out because there's no consequences for them. Uh, so they're not stupid enough to post them when they're in there. Although, as you say, we have seen examples of that before. But um, uh, they they think the majority of the cases they're they're not stupid enough to post it until they get out. Uh, but it's it's still brazen, no matter what way you look at it, because it is bragging. Look at the stuff we've managed to get in. But do you remember that guy who was done for murder there a few weeks ago? And you remember when he was on remand, he did an interview, a full interview with a British mm. YouTuber. And he, he literally got done for that murder of that fella out in Crookslings in Tala a few weeks ago. But do you, but do you know what I mean? I mean, and he, we, we, if, you know, we were able to establish who he was within two minutes of watching the video. So... You know, he wasn't released. He did that behind bars with a phone. You know, Pat O'Connell in the Sunday World has done myriad stories about lads doing serious sentences who they're mm. saying it. Remember the guy who was being doing the raps and stuff? Remember you were away, actually? You know what I mean? So he's not out. So I know what you're saying about some are doing it, you know, sort of post-dated whenever they get released. But it's clear that there are people who are videoing and sending messages out while they're in prison and it goes live while they're in prison. So I just wonder is it that they don't have any fears of, they'll probably get a P19 and they might lose two weeks remission or whatever. So in other words, do they give a crap? Yeah, I mean, I suppose if you're serving a long sentence, yeah, would you care? I mean, and uh, you take the risk to get a phone in and you see, I mean, even in these videos, the size of the phones, I mean, teeny tiny little things that they shove up God knows where uh, to get them in. They, they're desperate enough to have them. Yeah, and I mean, in prison, you get a lot. Uh, these days, you get a lot. I mean, you get a TV, you get Netflix, uh, you get plenty of entertainment. Yeah, it's not enough for them. They need to have TikTok. They need to have social media. Um, and and we, we, we've seen time and again, it won't be the last time we see these videos, sadly. But when it comes to, 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 to drugs, um, there is a serious concern there. And, and it, look, I'm, I'm being careful with what I'm saying because there are ongoing investigations. But there, there is a serious concern about the possibility that of, of, of corrupt uh, staff members uh smuggling drugs in and there is an ongoing investigation into uh into that alleged activity and to how that's happening and into particular individuals it's very sensitive at this time um only last week a prison officer was arrested there was quite a lot of shock over that that officer is based in a dublin jail uh is now i i believe suspended um but the suspicion was uh, that they were smuggling the drugs in on their uniform 
through the collar. So the collar here, they had it stitched, tablets uh, hidden, stitched into the collar of their uniform. Um, so that's quite sophisticated. Um, and and I, sadly, the suspicion is that there may be other individuals who are doing the same. I did. A, do you remember? I, I can't remember. What, I think, were you here? I did a story about a prison officer who was arrested over a drugs bust outside the prison. Do you, do you remember that? Yeah, I recall. I yeah. recall that. Yes, I, that was only a couple of months ago. I think it was around Christmas, and that officer mm. has also been suspended. So they obviously could mm. go down on it hard, but that was it. Wasn't a prison service thing. It was you know it was external to the prison, and that yes. prison officer was one of I think it was three or four people who were arrested. And it was a significant enough seizure. So look, I suppose it does happen. Yeah, and uh, you know it's important for us not to shy away from it. There's plenty of good people in the prison mm. service, all doing a good job day in, day out. But they, sadly, you know, in in all professions, people can be corrupted. And 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 what I have been told, you know, in in relation to prisons, um, prison officers can be put under a tremendous amount of, of stress. I'm not I'm not trying to make any excuses for anybody here, but you you know you're dealing with hardened criminals, and oftentimes people are pressurized to do things. Uh, by these individuals and they get caught into a situation and before they know it. But but also I'd say, I think I'd be pretty confident that most prison officers share the same attitude about allegedly rogue or rogue prison officers that guardy have about bad guardy. So in other words, oh yeah, how many times have you and I done stories about bad guardy? Now, we're not, I never talk about, I never mention guardy sources ever, but it's safe to say that every time we do a story about bad guardy, there is, and we and we do more than any other, as you know, right? There is zero sympathy from our other guards. In fact, they're all delighted that they're they're done. Yeah, it's exactly the same. Mm. Um, you know, in the prison service, there are good men and women working there who are embarrassed and ashamed that this is going on. And I think, in particular, there was a bit of shock over the arrest of the individual the the previous week. Um, a lot of shock about that. Um, so yeah, I mean they do feel it gives everybody a bad name. Um, I, I I know that um, there is an ongoing investigation into this, uh, into how many individuals are possibly involved in this. So uh, there is a belief and a suspicion that it that there are more than one individual involved in a sophisticated network of possibly bringing drugs into prisons um, and they're looking at the methods at the moment as to how they're doing that. So look, I mean I don't compromise anything. Obviously. You know, if you were going to investigate this, you have to surveil people, and I'm sure that that's going on. Um, so yeah, I'm advised that's an ongoing investigation, and that you know the prison service are taking it extremely seriously. Okay, so we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens there. And then speaking of uh, prison, yes, that was last. I think it was last Thursday. Freddie Humphrey's a 43 year old, and he appeared in court in front of Judge Andrew Cody, where he is facing three charges. Two are of threats to kill a named prison officer and then another charge of assault causing harm on a named prison officer. Now, the court heard that he had nothing to say when the charges were put to him. Uh, he has been remanded. He's obviously in custody. But he has been remanded on, on his own bail of €100. Euro. Now, there's a, he's back on the 28th of February, early in the morning, I think at about a quarter past 10, for the book of evidence. Now, Book of Evidence is significant because that means it's going to go in front of a judge and jury. So we're very limited as to what we can say. But we just wanted to mark the fact that he has been charged with these offences. Now, they're, they're, they're serious enough. Uh, assault causing harm can get you up to five years in prison if convicted. 
long way to go, he's only been charged. And threats to kill bring a maximum sentence of 10 years. But it is sub judice, but I just wanted to, to mark the fact that uh, Freddie Thompson has appeared in court. Yeah, I, I think we can say some things. Uh, tell me if I'm wrong, <laughs> but I, I think we can refer well, to, we can certainly refer to the fact that he was brought there. Uh, there are pictures of him uh, being brought there by the prison service, and it's the first time that he has been seen um, out in a public uh, setting in quite some time. Yes, I think we can say that. But you, <laughs> you know, the shutters always come down. But look, mm. I, I do know, for example, that one paper, and look, every news, every paper has its own legal advice. One paper uh, quoted comments that he made outside the court. And we don't do that. We just go straight down the line. So he did make some comments in the court. Basically, he asked the judge, the judge was going to remand it for four weeks I think and he goes judge it's been going on a while I'd like it for two weeks and then he's and the judge said yeah two weeks and he goes is that two weeks yeah thank you judge so uh other people can do what they want but I I, I just said what he said in court okay and then also we're being cautious about this one as well because it is still before the courts mm. but a um department of justice uh, figure uh former department of justice figure um has pleaded guilty in in relation to child abuse material, am I right? Yes, so this is Niall Colgan. He was a a former press officer in the Department of Justice. Did you ever have any dealings with him? Yeah, I I mean, I I didn't know him personally, but like Mm. anybody dealing with the Department of Justice, yes, you would have dealt with Niall because, uh, you know, he he was a senior uh, uh, Mm. press uh, person there. Uh, So I would have dealt with him kind of more so through email, probably would have rang him maybe once once or twice. Um, But I know it certainly came as a shock, uh, his his arrest, and now he has pleaded guilty uh, to, to these rather disturbing charges. Yes, and I just, I just, I just go through them what they are. What they are. So he pleaded uh, guilty to possessing child abuse material last week at the Dublin Circuit Criminal Court, uh, court in front of Judge Martin Nolan. So he has an address at Muckross Park in Perrystown in Dublin 12, and he pleaded guilty to uh, one count, which is possessing child abuse material in the form of two videos and two images. So his barrister was Ronan Kennedy, senior counsel, who has asked the judge for a period of time to allow for preparation of report for sentencing. So the sentencing date is the 7th of May. Now, we don't know the facts because no facts have been given in court because he was charged. uh, And all we know is that he was charged and he had pleaded guilty. But at the sentencing uh, hearing on the 7th of May, the full facts will be heard. So it's uh, Garda Alan Young, Detective Garda Alan Young from Tala. He's the prosecuting Garda. So what will happen is he'll go into the witness box and he'll give the facts of what happened. We do know... That he was that he admitted possessing the child abuse material at his home on the first of February, twenty twenty two. So just over two years ago. So um, it's up to the judge. Uh, judge Nolan will sentence him, but for at the circuit court level, which is what Martin Nolan level is, possessing of child abuse material legally known as child pornography, the maximum at circuit court level is a fine of six thousand three hundred and fifty euro and five years in prison. Five years in prison. Yeah, well, it's at the judge's discretion as to how uh, severe he he wants to make that sentence. And certainly, um, you know, if you're going by precedent, um, first time offenders, generally speaking, are are, are not typically uh, sentenced to jail. But it is entirely up to Judge Martin Nolan. But uh, we we've seen the precedent before when it comes to a first time offence, and he has also pleaded guilty to the offence. Uh, but we'll see what happens there. 
and and look, yes, and you know, speaking normally, as part of the mitigation, the plea, and uh, an early plea of guilt is mitigation. But look, it's well, seventh of May, so it's just over a few months away. So we'll see, we'll see what happens then. But I just wanted to mark it because. Look, you know, his press officer in the Department of Justice, so we would have had, I would have had limited dealings with him myself, I think, like you. I may have spoken to him a few times on the phone mm. and it would have been largely by email. Look, we're journalists, he's a press officer, he answers questions or he answers questions. Mm. I, I think it's, it's it's interesting that we're mentioning that and also we've just been talking about, you know, corrupt guardian, corrupt prison officers. There's often uh, a narrative out there on social media that, oh, we, we we steer away from that and we work for the government and we, we run away from stories like this. Certainly not. Uh, we're happy to talk about them and highlight them. Um, criminality happens in all aspects of society and we don't run away from it. So. Guards, to reiterate this point, I think it's fair to say guards are delighted when we do stories about bad guards or allegedly bad guards. Mm-hmm. And uh, we can't say where we get our information from. But, you know, I, I don't think guards are overly unhappy for news stories appearing about guards being arrested or guards being sacked or guards being jailed. It just happens and they just go, they have no sympathy for them. It's not in this, when it, you know, when they cross the line or they allegedly cross the line, all bets are off. Exactly, exactly. So we're we're not uh, we're not a wing of the government for anyone who thinks we are. Certainly not. Um, well, I am. Li- I'm, I'm a secret one. A secret one. Yeah. Um, oh, it's great to be back. Um, thanks to everyone uh, for continuing to listen to the podcast. Um, and uh, yeah, we we hope to see you maybe sometime next week. Yeah, I'm 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 away on a secret mission next week. So uh, oh yes, you might be I'm away for a week. Um, on a job really looking forward to it but I can't really go into it I'll talk about it when I come back but it's a it's a biggie and it's a goodie so we'll see what happens next week this this is part of your your secret role with the government You're yes <laughs> Bildenberg <laughs> is it Bilden, Bilden, Bildenberg or whatever the Illuminati mm. that's the one yeah, yeah see I, I pretend not to know how to say it just you know to add to the authenticity of being a spy yeah, sadly someone is actually going to take you at face value there and believe you so um, yeah Anyway, uh, well, while you're away, we'll see whether we can do a podcast or not. Um, but hopefully we, we will uh, talk to you in the coming days. And no doubt there'll be another development in Kerry. So thanks to everyone for listening and um, we'll talk to you soon. Bye.